Hansen saw the blast bubble like an orange puffball above the building roofs three kilometers away. He stuck his head out the side window of his chauffeured air car and heard the whump over the rush of wind. Don't get us above, Hansen started to say, but the car was already side-slipping to lose altitude and take them the rest of the distance to the crime site in the shelter of the buildings. The drivers who rotated through Commissioner Hansen's duty list were the best in special units. This one, a human named Krupchak, didn't want to enter the sight radius of the bandits' heavy weaponry any more than Hansen did. Hansen's visor was split into three screens, the top showing the view from one of the units already at the crime site, the center clear for normal sight, and the bottom running a closed loop from the incident that set up the current situation. Hansen's own viewpoint showed nothing but faces from the ground traffic gaping upward at the air car, which howled above them with its emergency flashers fluttering at eye-dazzling speed. The civic patrolmen on site were busy blocking streets and trying to evacuate civilians already in what was clearly a combat zone. They weren't interested in the building at 212 Kokori Street where the bandits had holed up, except to keep from being blown away by the shots spitting and sometimes slamming from the top story of that structure. Hansen set his remote to one of his own special units teams, which had already arrived. Hansen's people, some of them female and not a few of them inhuman, despite the complaints from bigots, were for the moment setting up fields of fire to block the bandits if they tried to escape. They were ready and willing to make a frontal assault if the commissioner gave them that order. The target was a fortress. Special units would make a frontal assault on it over Commissioner Hansen's dead body. Literally. The structure was part of a row of cheap two- and three-story apartment buildings built long before the 29-year-old Hansen was born. The windows of the top floor now bulged with the soap bubble iridescence of a force field. A white Civic Patrol hover scoot stood abandoned outside the building's front entrance. Kokori Street wasn't a slum. The consensus of planets didn't permit slums in or around the capitals of any of its 1,200 worlds. And besides, there were few real slums anywhere on Annunciation. Still, though there wasn't any trash in the street, the building's cast facades were dingy and sculpted in curves which flowed according to tastes superseded decades before. The district's residents generally staffed the lower tiers of the city's service industries, but they had jobs, because residents in a planetary capital for periods longer than three months required that a household member be gainfully employed. Here on Annunciation, the consensus fiat was enforced by the Civic Patrol, backed up by special units, if necessary. Ousting unemployed squatters could be a nasty job, but the worst casualties were usually a broken nose or a wrenched knee. This job was uniquely dangerous, but there was nobody in Hansen's section, and few enough in the Civic Patrol, who wasn't glad to have it. The Solbarth Gang. It had to be Solbarth, the criminal whose genius was equaled by his ruthlessness. Inhuman ruthlessness, the news reports said and this time 
the news reports were precisely correct. One of Hansen's people was trying to get an update on the situation within 212 Kokori. Behind a Civic Patrol force field barricade parked a nondescript van. A spy fly, the size, shape, and color of a large cigar burned from within the vehicle. The little reconnaissance drone was scarcely visible until it arced to within a meter of the building's sidewall. There it exploded as ropes of scintillance 